Welcome to the A64 Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Randall. And this is all you got today. Um, we're excited. We've um, been doing this for uh, about three or four months now. Um, I don't even know what episode number this is, but uh, we both wanted to come on and just talk a little bit about ourselves and um, introduce you guys a little bit more to who we are, a little bit of we our love backstory. Talking about ourselves. Yeah, we do love talking about ourselves. But yeah, today you don't have any special guests. We don't have any special guests with us, but um, we just thought it'd be a fun time to, um, yeah, just let you guys know a little bit about more about who we are and why we even do this. Yeah, most people that listen probably know a little yeah, bit about us, so we're not going to sure. spend just a ton of time, but um, we thought we'd kind of start with our background and how we got to where we are right now. Yeah. So I guess, Mike... You should tell us yeah. what you're doing currently and sort of how you got to where you're at. Yeah. Well, currently I am a director. I'm the director of the Way Youth Center in downtown Seneca. Um, I actually do that as a full-time job. I have another part-time job that's, I mean, I just mainly do it for fun. Um, and that's, uh, I'm a cart guy at a golf course. Um, awesome. It gets me free golf, so that's basically why I do it part-time, nice. like two mornings a week. Um, but yeah, my full-time job, my full-time passion would be definitely, um, the way you center and that's, uh, working with teens and we have four interns and my job is to manage um, their schedules and also my schedule. And, uh, we have three nights a week that we're over there at the youth center. And then we also partner with other organizations throughout the week. And, um, yeah, the, I guess, backstory to how that all came to be. Um, we knew each other in high school, yep. um, and I mean, ever since I moved down here, we knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say, um, at least me personally, I've I've changed. I mean, we all changed since high school, so I mean, everybody can say that. We but, hope, yeah. At least that's kind of the plan: is that once you graduate, you grow up a little bit. Um, but yeah, my from high school till now, I don't think you could have sat me down in high school and said like, "This is what you're going to be doing in five or." however many years it was since I graduated, Um, six years now. It's wild. Um, For you, it's been a little bit longer. I'm on, I graduated in 14. Oh, snap. So that's almost 10 years. Yeah, nine. Holy cow. Anyway, so, yeah, I think sitting down with me in high school, and I'm sure, like, if any of my teachers in high school are listening to this, they could probably agree with me that um, a lot of what I'm doing now is not something I would have seen myself doing in high school. And I credit a lot of that to, um, yeah, mainly the move out to Phoenix, uh, about, it was probably a year after high school. I worked, I worked for my parents at their restaurant, um, Diener's Kitchen, um, RIP Diener's Kitchen. Um, (laughs) I worked, worked for them for about a year after high school. And then I decided to move, um, to Phoenix, Arizona and work at a youth ministry out there. And, Originally, it was kind of just a. I was just wanted to go out there, um, for a lot of the same reasons a lot of kids do. VS is to like go experience something, go, go do something different. Um, I knew I wanted to live in the city. Um, I thought for a long time it would be like Choice Books or something, because that's also a really popular route. Me too, actually. Really, almost went to New York City with Choice Books. I was. I almost went to New York and I almost went to Houston with Choice Books. Both of those were like. I thought for sure that's what I was going to do. Um, but anyway, God had other plans, and I'm glad he did, because 
Um, I mean, not a knock on choice books, but I think what I ended up doing was really cool. Um, but yeah, I actually had a good friend, Alicia Bully. She told me, well, bear now, but bully then. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me that I should at least think about going to Arizona because it's a cool place. And then also our youth group went out there for a week and I got to meet like Caleb, who was the director then. And I got to meet some of the teens um, and just kind of live a week out there. I mean, when you're doing a short-term mission trip like that, you're not, you don't really get a, a great like view of what a normal is out there, but it's still enough that you get excited about it. Um, and so I sat down with Caleb at the end of that week and I said, Hey, this might be something I want to do. Um, and then fast forward eight months and I was there. So, mm-hmm. um, I lived out there and, uh, I loved, I loved it. I instantly kind of fell in love with the work, the working with teens and, um, felt that I was super comfortable with them. And there was definitely some things to overcome early on. Like I have a tendency to try to fix things and control things. And so like when you move out with my background and I, I believed a lot differently than a lot of these teens would. And so I would often try to just kind of fix their worldview without even trying to learn about why they do that yeah, sometimes the trying to morally convert instead yeah. of actually seeing yeah exactly and it so that that early on was so that work started happening of shifting my view of what what it means to evangelize and what it means to even like live in community with people who don't believe the way you do and how doing that can um God can speak through you instead of you speaking at people. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I loved it out there. And I was out there for about, it was probably about six or seven months. And then Caleb, the director, approached me about taking over the youth program. Um, and he, it did not come with a pay raise. Everything was volunteer. And he just asked if I basically want to um, just take over and do um, a lot of the youth programming and like build the chapels and like organize the evenings and stuff. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Like that sounds like something else I would love to do. So started doing that and I loved it. And then um, a couple months later he asked if I want to extend um, cause I had committed for a year and he asked if I wanted to stay out longer and come on as a staff member and actually be the youth director. And um, that got me really excited, but there was a lot of things at home that were drawing me back too. So I didn't know if that was something that, I should do. But then also another opportunity came up to teach at a school. Um, did not love that. I, this is in Arizona? Yeah. 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 So it was kind of a thing that I was offered first the job to be the youth pastor and then the job to be teaching at a school. And it was a school that we partnered with out there. So it seemed like a really natural thing. Like these opportunities are coming up for a reason. Um, and so I decided that I was going to live out there for another year and teach school and be a youth pastor at the same time and teaching school was something I'm very glad I did but I don't think it's going to be something I'll ever do again (laughs) it was um it was not yeah it was not for me as they say as the young kids say it's not for me um I yeah I enjoyed the the people that I worked with were awesome I loved my coworkers. they were my good friends um and 
like as far as the work environment, we had a lot of fun and like it learned a lot, worked with some good people, learned a lot about the school system and like how to teach kids well. And like, especially we had a lot of kids that were um, ESL students. So English was their second language. Um, and so learned a lot through patience and learned a lot through just like um, just going and like not, not just trying to push my way into that, but actually trying to learn with them. Uh, so, yeah. And then from there, I moved back home after I was done there. I was out there for a little over two years and wrapped up there. And at the end of my two years, I started a dating relationship with my now wife, um, mm-hmm. Samantha, and um, moved back home. And yeah, that's a little bit of the history of my VS time, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll save a little bit from there to the next, our next part. But um, tell us a little bit about you in high school through VS life, I guess. Yeah, I I can remember that long ago. Um, it's almost been a decade. <laughs> but I, I think as far as the... Um, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a, a missions perspective or like learning about VS work and get, me getting into it. It's definitely, I think, through family influence a lot. Um, maybe watching watching the way my parents have lived. Um, but um, I know, especially when I was younger, um, and I I still get get travel the travel bug. Got mm-hmm. um, but I I. I think being a young guy who who wanted some adventure in life and um, I don't know, always looking for the the highs, the experiences. Um, I uh, would have grown up knowing a lot about um, fair play camp. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> had both of uh, uh, my well, my dad was involved. Um, for eight years, um, and some of my siblings were born while he was still at camp, mm-hmm. and then uh, two of my brothers were chiefs, but I wasn't uh, all that interested in in following that path because I kind of wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, you got to be original. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, through, through that, and um, we actually... Just having Davis on, I I remember as a kid hearing Davis tell stories of when he was in Asia. Hmm. Um, he was on the Edge program. Um, I I guess I couldn't even say when, but I remember those stories, and that kind of stayed in my my head. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, sometime I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do that when I when I'm old enough. And um, so. We had, uh, life didn't go exactly as planned in my teenage years. We kind of had some things, um, that shook us up a little bit as a, as a family. And, um, instead of staying in the community here, like I kind of always assumed we would, I guess we moved to, uh, Colorado when I was about 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think some of those things like watching the way my parents handled those things is, is where. Um, where I got interested in, in, um, in Colorado, it's a, it's a kids ministry, um, a lot of infants, 
and a lot of uh, foster kids, mm-hmm. kids from hard places, I guess you would call them, mm-hmm. and um, learned a lot about the psychology that's behind that. Um, just you know how that how that affects them developmentally, relationally, mm-hmm. all the way through, and then what that uh, what that looks like in adults sometimes who have gone through that as kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was, I was not involved directly with the mission out there, but, uh, mom and dad were, and I was, I was around it enough, you know, with the, the church and, and all that out there. Um, but I s- still wanted to, wanted to travel, ended up, um, going on edge in, uh, was it 17, 18 I can hardly even remember. Yeah, I, I remember um, you going on edge, yeah. and and I think, I think that was really good for me as um, uh, always always thinking the the good life is out there somewhere mm-hmm. that you can go find it, and adventure is going to be. Um, I while I was while I was over there, I I realized, um, I guess some of what I had at home. Um, really enjoyed that time. It, it changes your perspective on the world like crazy when you start traveling into, mm-hmm. I guess, what we would call third world countries. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for an American to get outside of America and realize that not everybody lives like us. Um, you start to see things in your culture that have affected you your whole life that you never realized were there because mm-hmm. they've just been such a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you see the other ways people are living and um, maybe not quite as materialistically. Um, It just, it totally changes, um, changes your view um, of the world. And, and through some of that, I started to um, thinking about who I want to become. I realized that a lot of the, the men in my life that I really respect, Mm -hmm. they had all gone to camp and, um, I know it's kind of a hard thing to, to be at the boys camp, but, um, for me, it was in just seeing that, yeah, like most of the men in my life that I really respect mm-hmm. did this and would encourage me to do it. So I guess I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that process was, was hard. I've, um, I've always kind of been one to when circumstances are hard, I, I can just like put my head down and just kind of endure until it's over, like mm-hmm. waiting for mm-hmm. it to end and, yeah. and tried that for a while. And it just, it doesn't work too well at camp. Um, it, it makes you and, and the group pretty miserable. Yeah. So I guess without getting into too, too much detail about all that, just kind of learning camp, camp was really good for me learning how to live a simple life down trail, very Mm -hmm. few distractions. Um, There's not a lot that's complicated about life at camp, but it's hard because you have to be the one to get excited Mm -hmm. and get 10 boys who are less than functional Mm -hmm. sometimes excited about everyday life. Yeah. Um, And then through that, that's also kind of in the space of like – kids that are from homes that might have been broken a lot of them are are either adopted or um 
there there's something there yeah um that causes that uh just maybe a, a lack of ability to form good relationships yeah um but yeah i um me and me and heather both had been in asia together and we had we had met before that but we started dating in between the time i came back to the states and was at camp and then we got married um about 7 months after after i left camp lived in ohio for a little bit and ended up here and i guess through that process we were you know it was kind of a familiar community to me but one that i hadn't lived in um about five years and we were looking for uh some way to get involved and um, get ourselves embedded in the community mm-hmm. and i guess that would have been was that right around the time you took over the way or had you been there a little while yeah i think it would have been it was shortly after i took over i would have been um I mean, yeah, you guys would have been there like the first because you came around December, right? The first yeah. couple times. Yeah, we and weren't I, there at the beginning of yeah. that year. And I would have taken over, I think, in August. Right. And so, so we I would were have only we been were there a few a months bit. after. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, sometimes I have in my mind that uh, that you were actually the one that started the way, and I yeah. forget nope, that I'm it was. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing that came up with Davis there yeah. is like, oh yeah, that's been going on for a long time. It's just. I wouldn't have been yeah. involved and it's, yeah. it's changed a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, we would have helped out at the way last year and some things have changed with that. Um, we're not currently, I guess, directly involved in a mission per se. Um, we are youth sponsors at mm-hmm. the moment that keeps yes. us, us busy, yeah. busy on the weekends, especially, um, and then I work a a regular nine to five currently. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's where that's where things are at today. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go into a little bit. You mentioned the way. Um, that kind of is where my story picked up when I moved back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <clears throat> I was pretty set on the idea that I was going to go to college when I moved back. I, ac- I actually had gone through pretty much the entire process of being enrolled and all that. I mean, it's not a huge process with Tri-County, but um, I got uh, enrolled and I was going to start classes in August or September, whenever first semester starts. And I had just moved back that summer. And it was also at the same time my parents were, well, we were trying to, as a family, decide what we're doing with the restaurant. Like if we're going to keep it going or if it's going to be something that we're just going to give up and, so it just it was a lot of a lot of conversations, but our family just kind of all came to the conclusion that it was best to just just let it go because it was becoming a, a lot for our family to keep it running and to stay above. Mm-hmm. And we were always busy and we loved doing it, but it was just we didn't have enough help and enough. Um, we had a lot of employee turnover, and the employees we had were often great, but um, it was just hard to keep a good staff for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, ended up deciding to give that up. And through that, my dad asked me if I can, um, if I can just push off college for like another semester and just start in the winter instead. Cause he's like, if I can just have you until the end of the year, then we can get the restaurant closed smoothly. You can work full time mm-hmm. and 
because I was helping him a lot. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, cause yeah, I, I didn't, I wanted, I wanted it to end in a good way and not just to us be scrambling for help all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, it was actually the week after I told my dad that I'm going to push off classes. I called like my admissions counselor or whatever and told her I'm pushing off classes. It was the next week that, um, Ben and Gabe texted me and they're like, Hey, can we meet? And I had zero clue why they wanted to meet with me. I didn't even know they were on the board at that point. But then I was actually in Phoenix, and Alicia was like, hey, um, did you know Phil, like, he's planning on, like, stepping down from the youth center, and they're, like, looking for someone new. And she's like, they're probably going to ask you. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so I actually heard from Alicia before even, like, they asked me. And so I kind of had it in my head, and I was – freaking out and also trying to like because I'm a planner and I like to and like vision things and I get excited about things so at the same time I was trying to like okay this is like we need to make sure this is the right thing first and also I need to actually hear what they're going to ask me um but then yeah I had talked a lot with Samantha about it and then the next week sure enough they sat me down and they asked me if I want to take over and um they kind of they asked me if I want to take over, but they also kind of asked me, like, it was kind of open-ended, like, we want you to take over and lead this, but also, like, we want you to take it in the direction you, like, feel like it can go. Mm-hmm. And so at the first board meeting I sat down before I was even hired, I had a, I think that night I came home and I just started typing and writing and all that stuff, and I, I wrote, like, three pages of, like, ideas, visions, five-year goals, one-year goals, just, like, scattered a bunch of thoughts and then i sat down with the board and showed them the paper and they're like all right yeah you got the job like we want you here and um and then it was like it all went pretty quickly it was supposed to be like a a kind of a month where it was like a slow transition into it and it kind of was um but at the same point um trenton at that time was a kind of interim director like until they found someone else um and he was, like, he was perfectly fine doing it, but he's like, as soon as you want to take it over, just go for it. Yeah. Like, I don't it's need happening to. anyway, man. Yeah, well. he's like, I don't, I don't, like, he, he was asked if he wanted to be the director, and he's like, I don't, I can't do it. Um, just because he, he had a lot going on, a family life, and he was ma- married and all that stuff, so. Um, but, yeah, so he kind of showed me the rope, showed me around, and then first couple times I went, didn't know like any of the kids and it was like it was one of those things I was trying to learn as a new staff how things happen and then also at the same time establish like what we're going to be as a youth center Um, and so there was a lot of changes that came and definitely through that like had to bite the bullet on a lot of things because I would try things and I'd be like yeah this doesn't work Um, because you learn pretty quickly that you can't just copy and paste from one ministry to the next and that yeah yeah, I mean, that would it's be... It's easy to, to try to do. Yeah, though, like, exactly. Sure. Like, we would... I'd see things that we did at AimRight out in Phoenix, and it was like, oh, this is easy. Like, this worked so good out there, we'll just do it here. And I just was like, this is what we're going to do, and I know for a fact this is successful because I've seen it's it. proven model. Yeah, and I'm like, we're going to do it here, and then, sure enough, it failed. And so it's... I think, yeah, that was one of the biggest things I learned, and that's what I would encourage anyone who's involved in something is you got to find out what works for your organization and 
you can glean from things you learn because you're supposed to. Like, you're supposed to learn from stuff. But also, like, like you can't just copy and paste because it's the easy thing to do is just take this and apply it here. Yep. But I think you got to be, you got to be diligent and learn and like know your people. Yeah, a- applying the wisdom maybe instead of the uh, uh, the tradition. Yeah, like that's we, that's we talked good. About, yeah, we uh, talked about that with Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I think like yeah. So it was definitely a learning curve for me. Like I, I had led like the youth out in Phoenix, and I had been pretty comfortable with like the organization standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as the behind-the-scenes, like, like I think we lost our 501c3 for a little bit because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Oh, we, we lost it for, like, a three-month. All our donors who gave, it went back. So, like, anyone who gave in that time, it was actually – it went back and applied for it again. So, it's fine. We're all above water now. Um, and it was it was just something that we had to work for, work towards, and, like, I had to learn, and I learned that one the hard way because it is a pain in the butt if you lose your 501c3 <laughs> to, like, all the paperwork and yeah, forms. So and don't do that. Don't do that, yeah. Keep up with your your monthly stuff and your yearly stuff. But um, there was definitely things I had to learn, but the board was super patient, super supportive. Like, they they let me they let me go and, like, decide things. But then at the same time, they were very willing to give their input on things and give ideas. It was good. Um, yeah, and then fast forward to the beginning of this year where we decided as a board to go full-time. And that was also a huge step and to have interns and all that. And it's been it's been really fun. It's been incredible to see what, like, how it can grow with that much energy put towards it. Um, it's not, like... Yeah, a lot of it's not at all, like, in my control. But it's just, like, we we open the doors and we, like, we open the doors of the youth center every Thursday night and we open them Monday nights and all that. And whatever happens those nights is we leave it up to God and we're just, we show up mm-hmm. and we do what he asks. And, um, yeah, it's been really cool to see that. And it's been cool to see it grow. It's, yeah had to learn a lot along the way, but it's, it's been fun. I still don't have all the answers. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometime in that first year, I guess when we were, uh, when we were both there, you had had the, the idea of uh, United Upstate. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so for where the, where the podcast actually came out of, um, that would have been a night where basically just reached out to all the, Mm-hmm. the local churches that we could get a hold of all of the uh people that we knew that were in i guess le- heading up some kind of mission in the area yeah and got everybody together had everybody present for what like 3 minutes yeah i told barely. them to all keep it to an uh, elevator pitch some people yeah, went over but definitely i mean yeah but i i think that that was something um that was really big for me as far as um just not i don't know you kind of get the idea that you're doing your own thing here Mm -hmm. your church is doing its own thing here um sometimes it's hard to um with with all the people that live around here and all the churches to be on the same page isn't really that realistic Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time but to have an evening like that where you see there are a lot more people than I ever knew that mm-hmm. are working in the area. 
can be really encouraging. I I was I was really encouraged by it because it's like it, it just helps you not feel quite so alone. Yeah. And like, hey, there might actually be hope for my community because I don't have to do everything. Yeah. There's yeah. other people yep. involved. Um and I mean I know from there it was well maybe we should just have a podcast where we where we interview these people a little more yeah. in depth and mm-hmm. put it out there for more more people to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I think the well, first off, I can't take full credit for the idea of United Upstate because um one of my good friends out in Phoenix, Stephen Frankie, he gotcha. um he has what he calls uh Unite Phoenix. And okay. um so United Upstate, Unite Phoenix kind of I I had talked to him a lot when I lived out in Phoenix and I was always intrigued by his idea. And his is more from the volunteer perspective of getting mm-hmm. people united around volunteering and supporting local ministries. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, once every month, they, it's like the second Saturday of the month, they have volunteers meet at a location and then go out and serve local ministries. Okay. And so I love the idea because it, you saw people come together and do stuff that don't normally do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where eventually, plug for this eventually, but eventually I want to do something like that here in the upstate. Um, right now is not the time to do that on my schedule, but maybe yeah. someone else wants to do that. But um the the idea for united upstate kind of came from that is just like putting together people in one building that haven't been together and that just for an evening no agendas just sharing and like getting to know each other and it was cool to see like we did the elevator pitches and stuff but then beyond that is when the conversations happen Mm -hmm. and then that's kind of what sprung into this like the podcast and like let's have conversations with these people and then let's let people like hear that and spark other ideas Mm -hmm. and like there's there's been people that have told me like even jd for example he said that he met someone there at that night from ripple one and then now Mm -hmm. he's like mentoring mentoring someone at ripple one and so and just like the little intro and then it sparked a conversation and then from there it like went so it was cool um so yeah that's kind of where the vision for this podcast came from and we i knew that me and Randall, we did a lot together when we were at the youth center together and we enjoyed talking about various stuff. And then also like we both did the United upstate and helped with that. And so it was, it was just kind of a natural thing when I asked you, I was like, do you want to do this with me? Um, Why not? And yeah. And at first we're like, we had no idea what we're doing and we still don't really know what we're doing, but we're just kind of going with the flow. And um, yeah, I think like uh, it's been fun it's been fun for us because we both had the opportunity to see different sides of people. And, um, I think that's like, that's the vision of what we had is we want to show people what's happening, but then also like, you're going to see a different side to your pastor. You're going to see a different side to that youth leader, like their story to like what drives them to do what they want to do. Yeah. Like for me, one of the things that's been interesting is, um, uh, talking to people, even like Vernon, and hearing mm-hmm. how the how the coffee shop got started, how um, I guess even how God worked in in all those situations, because they're from from my perspective, like He started that when I was pretty young and yeah. very unaware of what was going on, yeah. and and so there's these there's these uh, missions around, and these people that seem very well ingrained in the community, mm-hmm. and 
somehow you just assume they've always been there mm-hmm. and that, you know, this is just the way the world is. Yeah. But to hear how they got there and and the path that God led them on is always encouraging to me, even just for like, so where am I going to end up? I don't really know, but but here's some steps that, that I can follow yeah. and, and know that God's going to lead me along the path that I'm on. Yeah. I think um, one of the highlights for me, like over the, the last couple months of interviewing people is, is seeing the baby steps that they took out of mm-hmm. faith and then just seeing God multiply that step. Yeah. Like um, comes to mind, like Abby and like her, like with the um, Foothills Care Center, it was a, it was kind of a long drawn out process for her, mm-hmm. but it, it turned into a baby step. Like she had the opportunity to go do something. And then it just like boom, like multiplied, yeah. and because it was an act of faith for her, and then she, she stepped out on it, and now she's very involved over there, and and now she's doing a lot of other stuff too that she probably would have never done if she would have just stayed like, w- content with where she was at, and like, um, but instead following God's calling for her, yeah. and then the same like, um, for Abby Crooks and Lindsay at Fostering mm-hmm. Faithfully, like they. They saw something and they they knew they weren't equipped for it. They were very clear about that. They're like, we don't really know what we're doing all the yeah. time. Um, but they took they took that step and they're like, this is what we know God wants us to do. And then they stepped out in faith and then God's like multiplied it, and it's really cool to see. And then, yeah, I don't know. Um, even thinking back on the pastors we've had and what what they've learned. Um, from like mentoring a flock to even like public speaking, stuff like that, that may have not come naturally for them. But when they were put into the role of like pastoring a church, then they got intentional about like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this to the best that God wants us to do it. So Yeah. And in a lot of those cases, there's a, there's a lot of preparation that's happening beforehand, whether mm-hmm. you realize it or not, the, mm-hmm. the way God's working and, and setting you up for success later. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love, love seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think it's just been encouraging and I think it, I don't think anyone can listen to our podcast and think like that they're not qualified to do something. Um, because we've had enough people on here that have said themselves, like I'm not qualified, mm-hmm. but I was still able to do something. And yeah. so I think it, really you have no excuses at this point because there's there's we've had people on that have done awesome things and they're not qualified like even yeah there's so many people um but then i think it's also been cool just to to see god um work in all of them but then also to connect them to other people too and mm-hmm. like um make connections here make connections there and like that that's what we want to also bring to light is that whenever they you do start with something like this like God's going to send people your way to help you and support you and connect you. And none of us are doing this alone. So, yeah. yeah. Well, are we ready for our last question? Yeah, might as well be. I need to. I got it. I wanted to look at the big word I was going to use. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about big full, words. Full transparency. Yep. So, Mike, what is one thing the world needs more of? big word time um i actually just heard this word in a podcast so i don't actually if it means something 
I looked into what it means, but the way they use it is really cool. So hopefully it doesn't mean something absolutely terrible. It at least terrible. sounds good. It sounds cool. It's called epistemic humility. Um, the world needs more of that. They also need, I'll, I'll dig into that a little bit. Um, epistemic humility, at least the way that I heard it on this podcast was really cool. And it's basically that um, we need to be more humble about the things we don't know and just own up to the things we don't know. And whether that's theology, whether that's just real world knowledge, um, you see a lot of people, and I'm very guilty of this, that you you get an idea stuck in your head and you want it to be true and you believe it to be true, so you'll fight till the day you die that it is true instead of actually taking a step back and being humble enough to say, this might be wrong. Um, and I think that ties into a lot of the character of, of like bullheadedness and stubbornness and, and even just like hostility because when people think that they're right about everything or even if they're, they think they're dead right about one thing, it instantly like probably half of the U S population is the other way. Mm-hmm. So it, it puts you in a position that you're, you're kind of pushing people away. And I think if people want to unite and be, united believers in a united church people need to be more humble about the things they believe and be more open to to being wrong about stuff if they are wrong about stuff and yeah i'm not saying that you should just live your life thinking you're wrong about everything um because i think god teaches us things and i think we're supposed to stand up for what we believe in but don't be so bullheaded about it that you're making a fool out of yourself and you're making yourself not a good image bearer. So yeah. That's kind of what I think the world needs more of. Yeah. Um, For me, um, I was just kind of thinking of the, the idea of, I think the world needs more Christians who live slow enough to get to know their neighbors mm. and their community. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, more and more I'm realizing how much of a, a culture of, panic sometimes we live in where mm-hmm. um we're all very aware of the big issues in Washington that are going to ruin everything and mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of people in the world that because we're trying to take in so much information and like things from far away that might affect our lives mm-hmm. um and and people far away that are always the enemy and you know, threatening us, we forget to um, just live the the simple gospel mm-hmm. and and live in our communities and get to know our neighbors' names mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, just just do what we're called to do where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to worry about the big picture and. I would venture to say that a lot of churches are so concerned with the big picture that they're doing almost nothing yeah. in their local community. Yeah. And I I believe that, that the way the church is supposed to work is everybody just does their job right where they're at. Mm-hmm. And as a body, first, like even starting as the individual and the family, as the individual and family does their job, the local mm-hmm. church there is then doing their job. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's it's the church across the states and mm-hmm. the, and the world um, 
from from our perspective. I just I feel like we could uh, benefit a lot from just slowing down. Yeah. And just living where we're at. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I love you said um, get to know your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot remember where I heard that from recently. Was that on here that I heard that? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Because I heard it from somewhere. It was either a podcast or something. They're like, how many how many people actually like know their neighbor or have met yeah. their neighbor? And that's a really good thought is like. Yeah. It, it's something me and Heather are, are working on. We live in a in an interesting neighborhood of uh, like most of the houses are kind of set back off the road and um, you have to you often have to walk through a gate if you want to get to yeah. a to a front yeah. door. But we've got we've got most of the the immediate neighbors. We've we've at least met them and yeah. and know their names and we always try to write it down when we yeah. when we do get another name yeah. so we can remember for the future. But um I don't know. That's something that, that we've been trying to practice yeah. and just um I don't know. We've thought about setting up like a low country boil for the That's for everybody awesome. in the in the vicinity and That's we've talked awesome. to a couple of neighbors about it and they're they're excited about it. I don't yeah. know. We'll see yeah. what happens. But just just that idea of um like that's what I want the church to be like. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to do it yourself and and so we we wanna be like that and we're yeah gonna attempt it one yeah. way or the other yeah. and we'll see how it goes. But yeah. Cause, yeah, as individuals we make up the church. So mm-hmm. if, if us as individuals, like you said, are doing our job and like doing doing what we can to be neighborly and to to like work in the community around us, I yeah. think that multiplies in that. Um, there's there's just a lot of lonely people out there, and um, it's actually not that hard to get to know people when you yeah. just talk to them. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, that was fun. Um, yeah, I hope you guys. I hope we didn't bore you with. Just us, um, and hopefully nobody you, exciting. Yeah, we didn't have anyone exciting on, but um, yeah, I hope you guys continue to listen. Um, our guests that we have on are they're awesome. I love. Mm-hmm. I've been loving to get to know our guests. So um, keep listening. Um, keep telling your friends. Tell them to listen too, because um, they might learn some things too. So um, yeah, we're excited to keep on doing this for you guys, and yeah, hopefully you learned a little bit more about us. And yeah, I guess we'll be here. Um, week in, week out, or at least sometimes we miss weeks, but we try to be here most, most weeks. Yep. So, anyway. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Like and subscribe.